I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm going to make the most ridiculous comment. I don't like the purple. Of Twitch? No, it's not my color. What's going on, guys? And welcome back to Watch Time for another week as we lied and we are not back in the recording studio where we used to be. We are still at my setup, but it kind of worked last week and we were vibing it. And also, we didn't get time to get anything set up. So you're back here anyway. It's kind of nice. It feels intimate just being around the one camera, you and me. Yeah, and it's it's more like... In, in a family. I don't though. know. <laughs> I, I, find the, uh, I find the idea of like sitting across from each other like very intimidating. Very formal. I'm used to being at this desk. I'm comfortable talking at this desk. <laughs> this desk is like my spot. Okay, we're in your comfort zone. Exactly. How was your weekend, guys? Elliot turned 26. I'm in my yesterday. late 20s now. I'm getting welcome. old. Welcome, welcome to the late 20s. And then Tanner is turning 26. 25. 25. Ah, oh, damn. She's turning 25 next weekend. So a few people went up to hers this weekend and had yep. a little bit of a get together. I had one in Sydney with uh, my friends who are in Sydney. And uh, yeah, good you weekend. Had, you had the birthday party of your 10 year old dreams. Oh yeah, I so did. Everyone was like, oh, what should we do? And initially the conversation was like, oh, you know, we could book like a big table at a bar and have some drinks. Cause COVID is pretty much not a thing here in Sydney anymore. So you can kind of, we haven't had one uh, non-known source case in like a month. <laughs> so you can kind of do whatever you want now. COVID's like not a thing. COVID's just like so not a thing. <laughs> I mean, it is a thing, but it's being kept as not a thing by the fact that it's still a thing. Yeah, thank God, um, good government. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, we we're going to do that. And then it was like, you know what? Nah, go-karting and bowling. So I went, we booked out a go-kart track for an hour and it was sick. And then we went bowling and that was also pretty sick. Yeah. I went away for the weekend to Tanner's birthday up on the coast and it was so nice. It was like a bunch of the guys from the office, uh, Lannan, Fresh, Tessa, Ilsa, Brody, Molly, Molly, I was about to be like Mullen. Um, and it was really good. Like, I think as creators, it's very, very easy to get in that daily grind and just feel like you can't take any time off, especially for streamers. It just always highlights to me how much streamers get paranoid at the idea of taking a day off. Like, hmm. it's, it's a very intense work schedule, but I think when making the time to do so is really important and it just like resets everyone it's like good to see people out of a work environment sometimes yeah. very very chill yeah. yeah yeah no good weekend so good weekend all around it's also coming into summer in australia we've got our christmas party coming up on a boat in a few weeks it's a good time of the year everything's to be down under. good all our american listeners which is like 60 percent of our audience are like, please <laughs> be <Screw> quiet <laughs> it is not a good time of the year right now but then also this week i mean there was the uh the big child Ali D'Amelio drama that yeah, happened. Yeah, she hit 100 mil this which, morning. Oh, I think it was the most overblown, which I think obviously the internet realized. It was one of those things, though, where I feel like the internet is getting much, much better at canceling someone and then realizing how Calling dumb it is it. to cancel whatever they're canceling and then to reverse course. And Charlie D'Amelio, I believe, was she the one who... They were at a family dinner, basically, and the full story was they, they got her to eat, like, a snail. That's Dixie. Uh, That's the sister. Yeah, so Dixie ate a snail and then had some bad, like, you know, reaction of being disgusted by it. 
And then Charlie D'Amelio made what I thought was a totally innocent comment, yeah. which was like, oh, you know, how many followers do you have now? Oh, I've got 95 million. Like, I would have loved to have hit a million, like 100 million this year because then it was like, you know, a million in 2019 and 100 million in 2020. Yeah. And then somehow the internet she turned She was like, that, it would be really cool to hit 100 mil the same one year after I hit a mil. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? That would be that cool. That would be cool. Yeah. That would be a cool thing to say. I hit 100 mil exactly one year after I hit a mil. And somehow the internet turned that into the most toxic, like, you're talentless, you're worthless, you don't care about your 95 million followers, you only care about, like, you know, the number. And it was just like, what are you talking about? People can have goals. People can have, like, things that they're aiming Absolutely. for. Absolutely. How many times have you job? watched a YouTube YouTuber and they've been like, we're so close to a million subscribers? It like, doesn't mean they don't care about the 990,000. But I also think it's really valid just touching on the fact that now she has hit 100 million. Like, how many individual creators are there in the world that have a platform with 100 million followers? Yeah. PewDiePie? Who else? Anyone? Crazy. I can't think of anyone else. Like, not really, unless they're a major, and major it, celebrity on Instagram. And, and doing it in that short amount of time. It's absolutely insane. And she's 16 years old. I also think it actually adds a moment for like a valid conversation of the fact that it is really, really hard at that level, at that level to a to see all of those people as individual people. A hundred yeah. million people, I can't even visualize what a hundred million people looks like. A couple of Australians. It, it's, it's insane. Like that is an absolutely crazy number. I also think it's really valid to reflect on the fact that it's hard to keep that in perspective. Like it is really hard to be a 16 year old girl yeah. from Connecticut and possibly appreciate what it means to have a hundred million followers when you've just been doing your own thing. And I think I think that I think it's a really harsh reality of social media these days that people you know, so much of the criticism of TikTokers is that oh they don't have any talent or you know Mr. Beast has spent millions of dollars and spent years and years and years of his life amassing not even close to 100 million followers yet, and therefore you don't deserve them. And, like, I, I did a tweet on this earlier in the week, but I just think that's so sad that people say that. Like, to me, that's sad. You might not understand it. You might not appreciate it. In a way, I also find it absolutely insane that these kids on TikTok are amassing tens and tens of millions of followers doing relatively simple content but that's not for me to judge they don't have to pay their dues for amassing a following so quickly like you put them there you're the one following them like why are you following them and then hating on the fact that they have so many followers mm. i just think i i think it's really sad and i think it's an immense amount of pressure on teenagers these days to yeah, feel as though they have to prove themselves when they're just kind of doing their own thing and doing literally what any other teenager would do. It is weird. Like, we don't... And I don't know what triggers it in each case, but there's definitely something about as soon as someone's doing well, people just want to find ways to, like, take that away and Tall bring them down. Tall puppy syndrome. Yeah. And, and then sometimes people rally around people who are doing well and try and, like, really cheer them up on it, but then that almost inevitably backfires. But I think the good thing that came out of this case was obviously she, uh, I think she was at 98, 99 million when she made that comment. And then she lost like a million overnight, but then she's come back and now obviously hit a hundred million, which is a good 
show that apparently the internet turned around and decided that, yeah, that was dumb and not something worth yeah. cancelling someone for and actually kind of the opposite, that it pushed her over the line. It's been an amazing year to be a TikToker because while people might criticise and say like, oh, this is just basic content or it's just like, you know, all the all the TikTokers in LA or whatever are, are just, what are they even doing over there? I actually think in this year, more than perhaps any other year in the last recent history, people have really craved seeing people online as a way of human connection. And yeah. a lot of people are spending a lot of time indoors this year. A lot of people aren't hanging out with their friends. There's not a huge amount going on for a lot of people. And therefore seeing other people be interact, be able to interact with each other and see, you know, the ups and the downs and the friendship groups that come with that, I think I think there's a real place for IRL content at the moment. And I think IRL content is going to be a massive trend that we see more and more of over the next year or so. Yeah, absolutely. And then in other news, because it's all drama this week pretty much, or all I drama. Don't really, I don't really like to call it drama. I, I I prefer to try and take a bit more of a thoughtful perspective on In interesting business news, uh, Twitch has once again continued its trend of making people dislike Twitch by uh, doing a very weird partnership with Monster Cat, which I kind of understand, I don't fully understand. It just seemed a bit strange that uh, they have now made it so if you buy a Monster Cat Gold subscription, which if you don't know is a service that gives you access to a big library of music that you can then use in your streams and videos, uh, if you pay the $5 a month for a Monster Cat Gold subscription, you get fast-tracked to affiliate status on Twitch which is normally something that you have to hit some relatively like more low-level metrics for. I think it's three concurrent viewers, a certain number of hours streamed, and a certain number of like watch hours um, over a month. But it is still something that normally is, you know, kind of like a milestone. And I think one thing that people have always respected about the different things of Twitch is people will be like, you know, journey to affiliate status, journey to partner status. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of like you hit the milestones and then you get to you know, have that as like a badge of honor. Yeah. Um, and Twitch suddenly making it almost something that you can buy was not interpreted super well by a lot of the community. I, I Don't get me wrong, I'm all for making those kind of milestones and being able to monetize your content easier and more achievable. Mm -hmm. I just find it quite interesting that they went down the uh, the route of, um, of doing that. Pay to win? Yeah, but like, I mean, like, it's, I don't know, it's strange. I, I just can't really understand the the idea. I, I, I do understand with all the, because um, obviously Twitch has been in a bit of a trend recently of pissing people off, which to be fair, isn't really fully Twitch's fault. DMCA and all the copyright claims around music and everything. Yeah. That's not their fault. The way they dealt with it, though, I think is pretty universally agreed to not be done the best. Mm. But the point being is that, you know, they've done some things recently that have annoyed people. And I can actually understand them wanting to promote a service like Monster Cat Gold because of that. Because mm -hmm. they're kind of saying, look, you know, like you can't play mainstream music whenever you want on Twitch anymore. But at the yeah. same but at the same time, there are these services that exist. They've got great music on them for only $5 a month. You know, the price of a couple of coffees you can... I think it was well-intentioned and poorly executed. Yeah, I, I think... I, it, it came off just a little bit bizarre, and I think it really invalidates the fact that, you know, for a lot of us, you might only be seeing the Twitch streamers that are right at the top of the food chain, but there are hundreds of thousands of Twitch streamers that 
Yeah, it's like a, it's a real thing for them. It's a hobby. It's something that they're working towards. And then to feel as though, imagine if you've just grinded for the last year and got Twitch affiliate and then someone can pay $5 and also get Twitch affiliate. Like it just feels a little bit invalidating, I guess, of the work that you've just put into it. And I don't really know what, I don't know. Like I have, I can be a little cynical on you know, platform stuff as well. I'm like, what's Twitch gaining from this? Do they just want to be able to further monetize people's platforms so that they can put more ads on that content and then make more money as well? I don't know. I think think Twitch is in an interesting spot right now. A much better partnership would have been, hey, we partnered with Monster Cat Gold to give everyone one month free of Monster Cat Gold. And then if you like the service, keep using it. Great, great idea. Hire me, pay me money, Twitch. I'm on it for you. Thirty bucks an hour, and he's yours. You know, you know what I think super interesting though. If you actually look, JK, we love YouTube gaming for Elliot. Yeah. <laughs> if you actually look at the industry over time, how the kind of people's perceptions of different platforms change. Mm. So I remember, if you look only like three years ago, everyone was talking about you know YouTube and YouTube suddenly kind of enforcing copyright a bit more and community guidelines and all that kind of thing. And everyone was like, oh, you know, YouTube's run by you know evil business people who don't understand the community screw this place and you'd go on reddit you'd read reddit threads and they're like yeah how can we like move videos to twitch and we'll have twitch as the new big place and yeah and like and that was like a huge movement for a while and everyone was like twitch is just so creator focused you know like they really they're they're one of the people you know they understand and then it's like no, no 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 twitch wasn't uh, Twitch had the luxury of not having to care about a lot of the big issues at that time. They weren't a big enough thing in the scheme of things. They weren't well known enough. Twi- live streaming was still semi-niche, although growing rather quickly at that point. Nothing on the scale of YouTube. One of the things when your platform grows is suddenly you have to care about boring legal things and make slightly more business decisions, less community-oriented decisions. And I think it's so interesting that I think if you were to poll right now, the kind of um, creator opinions on different platforms. I actually think YouTube gaming has been steadily rising quite oh. quickly by they're being a lot better at, you know, replying on Twitter, recognizing mistakes. I think they're um, really kind of developing, obviously still far from perfect, but they're really developing people's mm-hmm. opinion. Whereas you then compare that to Twitch right now and everyone's like, name one good thing that Twitch has really done in the past few months and they can't, they're like, ah, oh, suddenly D- DMCA comes out of nowhere and it's not dealt with particularly effectively. Mm-hmm. Full credit to YouTube. On Twitch, they're just like, yep, you got DMCA, you're done. Whereas on YouTube, they have a granted slightly flawed, but still an appeal system that functions a lot better than Twitch. And I'm sure Twitch will get there. But I I think it's super interesting that um, a lot of the time, I think the community can be a little bit, uh, you know, kind of blind to the motivations behind a lot of the decisions that happen. Don't get me wrong. I think Monster Cat was a straight, that's not ideal. And I do think that Twitch should have um, kind of planned further ahead for the inevitable DMCA crackdown that was always going to come. But... I do think that a lot of the time um, platforms really, oh sorry, the the community really will pan a platform for like instigating some new policy or like suddenly like enforcing copyright or or doing whatever. And granted they don't do it perfectly, but a lot of the time they do it because they literally have to because we live in a society of laws. I, I agree with you. I think actually the perception on YouTube gaming over the last year and a half has changed 
and changed for the better mm. so much more. Yeah. I feel like people used to think of YouTube as like much more of a big conglomerate owned by Google. Faceless Google. Yeah, faceless Google. Um, and especially the live streaming perspective, you know, YouTube gaming as a live streaming platform was probably not viewed as strongly as it is now. And they obviously made a number of acquisitions about a year ago, bringing on some big creators to start streaming on the platform. And I feel like, you know, it's cha it's changing and it's changing really well. Whereas Twitch, I agree, is going down. But do you feel like in a way, Twitch had further to fall because yeah people had put them up on this pedestal of being a creator first platform for so long that as soon as they've started to make decisions which feel not as creator focused it's like oh suddenly suddenly people are being revealed some truth that they didn't previously know whereas google people didn't have necessarily as higher expectations particularly on the community and live streaming aspect and some of the recent measures that they've done have actually meant that it's people are viewing them in a more positive light. Mm. Look, I, I think you're right. Like YouTube was down here and Twitch was up here. So obviously they're, right. you know, YouTube, YouTube's coming up from a lower base. But I, but I do think that, uh, you know, I think that the thing is, and the reason I'm actually surprised Twitch is making these mistakes is one of their biggest kind of, you know, wins and their biggest advantages in the community has always been the fact that they were seen as very creative focused like that mm. was a lot of the time if you were it was really the love for the platform and i know that you know from a lot of like streaming deal conversations that i know have happened between like um twitch creators who i know and right. like other platforms a lot of the time when it comes to you know moving platform there is a lot of brand loyalty there like Absolutely. a lot of them are just flat like nope i like twitch twitch has always looked out for me and they've been great and i don't want to move and there's yeah. actually a lot of like brand loyalty there yeah. and i think that i'm what surprises me is like i was saying twitch knew this was coming like twitch always knew that at the end of the day they're not going to be able to keep having copyright music on the platform they always knew that was going to be a thing and that there was going to be a day where the hammer fell and i i think the the thing that surprises me is they had years to prep for that they also had years of looking at youtube and where youtube took missteps mm. and where they made decisions that weren't kind of in with what the community wanted for example them giving affiliate status to people who have monster cat that's not suddenly the downfall of twitch yeah. but i think if you do look at youtube and when youtube went through that real rut it wasn't that there was like a one big thing. It was just like little thing and little thing and little thing and little thing and little thing. It was something it was, you know, a couple of bad copyright strikes. Then it was a, a report, um, you know, like a, a support email person not replying properly. Yeah. And then it was like another. And it eventually just like slowly took that down. And I think Twitch is on a bit of a backslide right now in terms of, you know, their kind of their, their image in the community mm. where they've gone and they've, you know, had the DMCA thing happen, not dealt with great. They've had Monster Cat, basically just like a few things stacking up. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Which, 
it'll be interesting to see if they can find a good way to turn the momentum around. One thing that I, you know, which I didn't even know this was possible, but it, like it's quite good on the topic of, um, you know, DMCA. Facebook somehow got a license with every single like record label, yeah. almost every record label without fail that lets you play their music on the platform without copyright. True. And I don't know how I I'm, I'm when I say don't know how they did it. I'm I'm guessing they just signed a really big check. But yeah. like I think I asked I asked as well. I was like, "So how did they how is that a thing?" And and <laughs> and they were just like their Facebook I was like, okay. <laughs> they have a, cu- they have uh, a couple right. of dollars. Sure. But like at the same time, you know, I'm, yeah. I- I'd be interested if YouTube would, and I think it would be harder on YouTube because YouTube is more of a hub for posting. Like people could repost music videos on YouTube a lot more effectively than you could mm. do it on Facebook, for example. And that's not the primary use. But I, I think, think that. Yeah. I mean, I think the platform landscape in general is open to, is still open to disruption. Like we're talking about YouTube and Twitch a lot, and that's obviously because they dominate most of the watch hours of streamed content um, in gaming and gaming content generally. But, you know, and I don't know if we've spoken about this on the podcast actually, but Click um, Click Management, we recently won the contract for Facebook Gaming in Australia to be what they call like the creator service provider or the CSP. And that means that we are basically now implementing the partner program for Facebook gaming in Australia. And it's been a really amazing learning experience for us over the last few months. Facebook gaming is obviously the smallest of the three platforms, but they are a behemoth in and of themselves. And the people that work there, um, the resources that they're putting behind growth of the platform is really amazing. And I think how open that they've been to feedback from us, um, because Facebook doesn't have a huge presence in and of itself in Australia at the moment. So they're really relying on us to be kind of boots on the ground and giving a lot of community feedback. And I've been super impressed by how well they've taken that feedback and that they've wanted to improve and the types of things that they're able to offer creators to try and provide like a competitive environment and I think I think I would have no doubt and you know obviously I'd like to see it given our new role that I think Facebook gaming is also going to make some major plays in the next few years and really be considered a legitimate streaming platform whether that's for Mm. particular communities or it's competing with youtube and twitch on a large scale i think um i don't know i I feel like the streaming landscape is is really there for the taking and if i was a small streamer i was something wanting to get started on streaming i'd be taking i don't know i don't know if i'd feel like twitch is the right fit i i just think that i'm i i mean my personal take on the streaming landscape right now is twitch is so lucky that they really did get such a head start and an early mm-hmm. grip in it. Because I think if you really look at the service the that the different platforms provide, um, don't get me wrong, I, I think you could still argue in terms of some areas of tech, like the way chat works, the way subscriptions work, that Twitch probably does have a slight edge. But I think if you look at the overall package that most platforms provide, yeah, I actually think Twitch is, number one, not ahead at all. In fact, you know, I think there are definitely others that are doing it better. And also ones that just have a much like better kind of trajectory in the way they're going. You know, they're investing a lot heavily and improving a lot more rapidly. Whereas I think Twitch has kind of fallen into sitting on its laurels a little bit mm. and assuming that they're going to win because... Yeah, we are Twitch. Complacency, complacency, the key to failure. Yeah, but I don't know. I still think it's super interesting. I still think that the advantages that 
both Facebook and YouTube have. Facebook being they have the whole suite of VOD content and their, you know, SEO system yeah. and the fact that, you know, it's searchability and videos paired with live streaming a lot more effectively. I think that makes YouTube a big threat. And I also <laughs> think that Facebook has the whole ecosystem of... I'm going to make the most ridiculous comment. I don't like the purple. Of, it's not of, for me. Of Twitch? No, it's not my color. I feel like... That'll be the downfall. So I love the purple. Here's my thing. No, here's I like my the purple. Thing. I, and I know this is controversial. The office gives me shit about this all the time. I have all my apps on light mode. That's fucked. I have nothing on dark mode. That's fucked up. Dark mode makes me sad. And Twitch feels like it's on dark mode. That's because it's a den of gaming. Yeah, I'm a light, I'm nah. a light mode girl and I'm looking at you know YouTube what? right now and I'm just like, the white, the red, the blue, the white of Facebook. I'm like, the, the color scheme kind of suits me better. That's the one part that I actually won't hate on. I think that I, I, <laughs> I love the color scheme. But the point is, okay. <laughs> the point is, look, the streaming war continues. We're really getting into the deep stuff here. Yeah, the, the streaming war continues. Uh, things going back and forward, either direction. I, I still think ultimately that the strongest point that Twitch has and what actually gives them the biggest advantage overall is that if you talk to someone about streaming, uh, then that's the first thing that people think of. They think Twitch, yeah. you know, they're like, okay, like twitch.tv, that's where I'm going. If, yeah. I, if I was going to become a streamer, that's where I'd go. But, uh, and I think being at the front of that conversation and, you know, when people talk about live streaming news articles, wherever, they're mm -hmm. primarily talking about Twitch. Yes. But I think funnily enough, uh, it's because of that that almost any other platform is actually better if I were going to start as a streamer these days. Because Twitch is so saturated with so much content and so many live streamers. And I bet if you were to do a comparison of viewership to number of streamers, Twitch would have one of the worst ratios ever, meaning that the number of potential viewers per streamer is a lot lower. I reckon if you were to look at other platforms, oh, it yeah. would be way better. And that's why I like, and, and once again, um, I, I'm not saying this because we got the whole Facebook um, CSP thing, but it was just super interesting that uh, after we got that, after Click um, managed to get that contract, I was actually looking at the stats of a lot of Facebook streamers for the first time. And it was insane. Like I've ne like no platform have I ever seen people who are able to pick up streaming and within three or four months they're making what their annual salary was in a month. Absolutely, like the trajectory it of, blew my mind. Yeah, the trajectory of content creators that are on on Facebook especially was insane to me compared to. I'm not saying that'll happen to everyone, but um, but I would say it was there were a lot of instances of it, and you would never ever see that on. Twitch or and not yeah. just on viewers like in terms of how many viewers they're getting in a short period of time but how those viewers monetize as well mm. like I'm seeing creators on Facebook that are getting I don't know like a, if they were getting a similar number of concurrent viewers on Twitch they'd be making one third of what they're making on Facebook gaming like yeah. they're literally making triple what they'd make on Twitch yeah from Facebook gaming with the same number of viewers. It's absolutely insane. And so anyway, I think it's really interesting. I think the streaming platforms is one of the most interesting parts of the gaming landscape at the moment. I just think, yeah, it gets me excited, like even talking about the platforms and the orgs and stuff that we've been talking about the last few days. Like everything is still, people feel as though there's all these major players in gaming, but everything is still shifting and shaping so quickly. Yeah. Like literally anything is possible. Yeah.
Absolutely. Yeah, amazing. So we had a viewer request for a topic. This is from our good friend, Alex Ace. I just tweeted out previously, what, what are we talking about this week? And he said, why do you think that Fall Guys and Among Us are uh, this genre of game that seems to have happened in the last six months that can come and be so big, absolute behemoths, and then fade away again after a couple months. And I think this is really interesting coming from Alex and shout out Alex Ace. You should go check out both of his channels because he's a YouTuber and he has had an absolute- Second channel blow up. Blow up over Among Us. Yep. Uh, uh, incredible, it's insane. I love to see I, it, but I, what do you think? I mean, like, look, I, I called it since day one okay. of- Okay, you no, called I it. No, I you called, called it. I, I probably sure you can rewind the podcast and oh. find episodes where oh. I talked about both Among Us and Fall Guys. Okay. Where they're games that are super, super fun, but they just don't have the the depth to really build a long-term audience. The re You look at any game that has th that is relevant for a matter of years, not just a matter of months. They all have one thing in common, which is the depth of gameplay. Mm. I'm sure someone's going to be able to find one exception to that rule. But, like, you know, you look at... The, let's look at the most long-term games that I think we can really see in the industry. You've got games like uh, Minecraft. It's literally open-world sandbox. The, the, what you can do in that game is limitless. What you can create, the way you can play it, the way you can run it, what you can focus on. You could play that game 10,000 times and have 10,000 different games. Fortnite yeah. is a game where... It is, once again, I wouldn't call it quite as open as a game like Minecraft, but there is still huge depth there. There's yeah. different strategies, different ways you can play, different dumb things you can do. There's a huge skill base to develop. There's a huge learning curve to develop that's very visual in the way you watch it. And I think that, and then on top of that, they also do a great job of updating the game all the time and making it very, very fresh and feel mm -hmm. like a very new game. Mm -hmm. Whereas... Well, maybe not so much. Yeah. Well, no, <laughs> no, no. At the no, moment, but, but still, yeah. You know, I would say Fortnite's really been going for three years before it hit a point where it was like, okay, now it's really yeah. hard to kind of keep that fresh feeling going. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think you look at a game like Among Us and... Don't get me wrong, there's great depth there and it is interesting, but at the end of the day, there's only so many times you can watch someone marinating someone or someone lying about being imposter before you're like, okay, I've seen this situation before. Yeah. Like, I walked in on the room, there was a dead body there, the other guy hadn't reported it, he just claimed that he couldn't find the button. You know, like, you, yeah. you've seen that situation play out a hundred thousand times and after a while it gets to be the same banter, viewers are like okay i've seen this the engagement drops off and i think it's interesting and it's um and you, you see this with pretty much every game where at the start of that game kind of coming out everyone's doing the base things like i won as imposter in among us mm -hmm. and then it's like it goes into the slightly more aggressive yeah. stuff where it's like okay i had to tell the truth as an imposter in Among Us. Yeah. And then it was, I paid someone to win Among Us. And then you get into the, I hacked Among Us. And then there's the, I, I had 1,000 player lobbies. And the more <laughs> insane people have to get to, to keep that engagement and keep that viewership, that's when you know that, like, you're reaching that kind of bottom of the barrel right. of the views, you know? people. Do you know why I think Among Us, and, and I don't know if this is reading too deep into it, but I think it's actually about 
what we were talking about before with people craving that human connection. Mm. And I think what Among Us did so well as a game was allow people to feel a human connection through the game. It's like 10 friends, all shit talking each other. It's that word you just used, banter. Like the game is banter. It's yeah. less about like necessarily skill of the game and people just love seeing other groups of people having a good time together. It's like that community vibe in a year where a lot of community isn't happening. Yeah. But does that wear thin where the platform for what the banter's about fades because the game doesn't provide enough depth for it to you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of those games want to keep themselves going, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, there's so many, there's only so many ways you can like, what is it? Scramble an egg or right. what is it? I don't know what the right saying is, but but the problem is like a lot of games <laughs> are just inherently limited by their format in the amount of variety that they can keep their game mm. up to date with by updating it. And games like Among Us, don't get me wrong, I'm sure they'll release a new map and that'll be cool. But after you play that map a few times, yeah. you're still back to the same repetitive gameplay of I found a dead body, I didn't do it. Okay, yeah, you did. And then the banner yeah, goes the back on. Yeah, the premise of the game is it's kind of like, And that's the problem that Fortnite ran into as well, mm -hmm. where they, it's it's at the end of the day, kind of those, those little map updates were huge when the game first came out. It was like, oh my God, this brand new building. We've never had a city before in Fortnite. Like that's, absolutely yeah. crazy tilted towers what do we do but then after a while it's kind of like okay like you put like there's there's now a hill in that spot where there wasn't a hill i played fortnite on a hill before like i can't i know i know where this goes i know yeah. the dynamic and it's not that crazy um, yeah that's a good that's a good summation but i think it would be an exciting time i actually think it's a very exciting time to be a creator to try and leave this on, on a positive note oh yeah because i feel as though right now it's like it's growth, game. growth is there for the taking. Like, I feel like a couple of years ago, it was like Fortnite or die, literally. And, and like, the, and Fortnite the other problem, or bust. Like, no one's growing if you're not playing Fortnite. And the other problem is that once Fortnite had kind of established itself and you were a year or two in... Yeah, you had this right. top it, tier of creators. Yep, yeah, and it was, it was very hard to break in because it's kind of like, nope, viewers know what they want. Viewers know it's comfortable. Every now and again, you'd have someone kind of come in and maybe be able to get some traction and actually grow yeah. a bit. But the vast majority of them really, really couldn't. Like yeah. the vast majority of people were kind of like just stuck at that low tier. Whereas the last six months, you've seen yeah. some massive creators blow up yeah. that were not massive six months ago. Like yeah. Alex, if you're watching, you're an example of one of them, we're, you know? Yeah, we're definitely moving back into a time of variety gaming though. I think that's... Mm -hmm. absolutely goes without saying we're going back how do you feel about that being a big Fortnite youtuber i'm actually excited for it and i mean that in a funny way because i don't know yet whether it will be better or worse for me in a business you know viewership sense because i think that one of the great things about Fortnite is i was able to relatively early on kind of like lock myself in there as one of the like you know top 10 YouTubers for it, which meant that my viewership was always going to be kind of like tacked on to right. a certain level. Like I could post anything and be relatively certain, okay, that's going to get 2 million views. You know, like yeah. that was like a level of certainty, which was great. But also after three years of playing the same game, just like the viewers, just like a lot of the people playing it, I'm kind of like, okay, how can I do anything new here? Yeah. No, we're not. We're just going to do another one chess challenge because that's the only, like there is nothing new. And even if Fortnite totally yeah. reinvents the game, you get like two or three, like maybe two weeks content out of it because well, you found like some new things. Well, it's like what we were things. saying earlier, like complacency 
kills and as soon as you feel like you're on top it's like are you getting as much innovation and i feel like yeah. maybe we're at a point right now where it's like okay the people that were big on top that really found that momentum now there's an opportunity for people to disrupt that i don't think that they're complacent though i i wouldn't describe um I wouldn't describe Epic Games as complacent. Oh, in the no, way I wasn't talking about Epic. I was talking about the big creators. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It maybe felt as though they had easy pickings of content and audience for a long time. Yeah. Now they have to be innovative or you're going to get people like, well, Dream's yeah. already there, but... you got to be quicker to respond. I yeah. think it's a big thing. Like, I think a lot and of people... you have to be thinking about what's next. Yeah, and you got to take a few more risks. I think uh, what I saw from a lot of the Fortnite guys when Among Us blew up, especially, and even a little bit with Fall Guys, was people saw it, they saw it was doing like pretty well, but everyone's like, oh, but you know what, my Fortnite videos are still getting one and a half, two million views each. Like, why would I put a video out there that could fail on a different game when I know I've got this guaranteed success? Mm -hmm. But you saw the people who moved on it early kind of do in more of a like smaller sense what the big Fortnite creators were doing, which was establish themselves as a creator for that game. Yeah that if people wanted to watch, they could go back to. They gave their channels that momentum, which then meant that if people were kind of coming in later, the algorithm already saw that as a channel with momentum yep. and they were more likely to stick with them. Yep. So being the early mover is Disguise definitely- Toast. Yeah, Toast. Um, that whole group of creators. Mr. Fruit, uh, like a lot of them. Yeah, they, they just got, and the way that the YouTube algorithm works, which it's very hard to distill down to a certain sense, to a certain like you know sentence but i think you do get a sense of how it works which is momentum and you and i think actually a really good example is like alex with um i believe he initially was posting among us on his main channel and it didn't really do as well but then he posted it on a second channel that normally gets less kind of engagement it suddenly was getting a lot more youtube detected an upward trend and it really kind of rode that mm. so it's the, the youtube algorithm is strange it's sometimes frustrating, but I think that, um, yeah, it's very much going to be that time where being able to be quick, responsive, and really jump on things, that's going to be key. Yeah. Maybe we should bring Alex on the podcast. He could talk about that yeah. at some point. Yeah. No, he's had, a, he's had a very, very interesting, very, very interesting few years, really, from Fortnite to Minecraft to yeah. Among Us. Amazing. Yeah, definitely. Amazing. Well... well good in sync there i think uh that probably wraps us up for this week guys thank you so much for watching guys leave some questions below we're gonna do a little q a app in the next few weeks and we've got christmas coming up so we might pre-film a couple things so let us know what you want to know hear from guests we're open to it but um other than that we will see you guys next week bye 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 